I'm Arya Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. Today I am honored to welcome to the show one of the best in the game, the DMV legend. You know her voice and you know her face. The one, the only, Christy Winter-Scott. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our staff's amazing written content at windsider.com while you're there check out the overseas tracker it's live now and you can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work Christy Winter Scott, welcome to the show. So happy and excited to have you on. How are you doing and what are you up to these days? Oh my goodness, you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat hoops. Um, up to hoops all the time. I am so excited about the upcoming WNBA season. Just still thriving on the excitement that was left from the NCAA tournament this past spring and you know, just being a mom and just caring for my mom as we head into Mother's Day. I love it. So all is well. Everyone's healthy and I'm happy and ready to attack another day. <laughs> well, happy early Mother's Day um, and very excited to hear that you get that chance to hang out with your mom. How excited are you for this WNBA season? I mean, last year, what I don't even know what you call last year for the Mystics, a, a wash, Um an opportunity for young players to finally get the spotlight. I mean, there's positives, there's negatives, but going into the season, I mean, how excited are you just to see the myth? Like, is it weird for me to call it the mystics now that they have like the big players back? Or is that mean? I don't know. Well, I tell you what, I feel like I did prior to knowing all the players who were going to opt out last year for the mystics. <laughs> I, I am that much excited about this year. I think, Last year, I don't think it was a wash. I think, you know, like you said, a lot of, of the younger players, they really earn their stripes. And my gosh, Maisha Hines-Allen earning all league honors because of her consistent, efficient performance last year. I think that was uh, a real plus. And so if they didn't have that, you know, Maisha Hines-Allen and all those younger players like Shug Sutton, I mean, those players had opportunities to get on the floor and produce in the system. So I think they're better served for that this year. I know a lot of different faces, but what I'm really intrigued by is the addition of Tina Charles to this mix. And everyone was anticipating it last year. We didn't get to see that with Emma and Della Don and how they were going to utilize all those posts with, you know, obviously with uh, Hawkins and Latoya Sanders. Like it was just so like mind boggling all of the different uh, rotations that that could have looked like. So I think for for me this year, I'm just intrigued by 
how Tina Charles is going to be inserted into this system. And she's already played for Mike Tebow when she was with Connecticut. She was an MVP of the league in 2012 under his tutelage that season. So, you know, I, I just know that from what I've heard on the calls so far, because I haven't been able to be in person for any of the training camp sessions, Tina Charles is looking like beyond phenomenal. And that's a lot to be said for someone who has missed the season and she's like in a new system in terms of the people being around her, the players being around her. Um, you know, I'm excited about that. Um, I've heard Tina Charles is knocking in threes on a consistent basis. Ooh. I've heard, right. I've heard that Tina Charles is a, uh, one of, um, many initiators of offense for Washington this season. If you think about what Maisha Hines Allen was able to do as an initiator last year, like getting it off the glass and pushing it up the middle of the floor. Apparently Tina Charles has been doing that. And I'm intrigued by that. Like, you're, you know, you, you think of Tina Charles and you think of 20 and 10 consistently. That's her average on her career. Right. But she's added a three ball. She's added, you know, some, some stronger ball handling skills in the open court. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, let me see, like pull the curtain back so I can <laughs> take a look at that. So I'm just really thrilled about uh, cloud being back and Ariel Atkins kind of meshing with that voice of cloud being back. That, that to me, I think has been kind of a question I've asked in a couple different ways on media day and in a couple of the post-practice calls uh, just to see what that leadership looks like. And Mike Tebow always says, it's the team that leads the team. And I get that. But there are always the voices that that you look for on your team to, to get them over the hump when things aren't going well. Like, it can't just always be the coach. Like, who are those people? And to me, that's always um, a question that I, I like to have answered because that's that's a big piece of success. And your coach is definitely going to always be the leader in, in, in many ways. But when you have players who command that kind of leadership and, and ownership of that role, I mean, that, that can't be taught. So I always like to know what that looks like. And last year it had to be Ariel Atkins, right? I mean, there were a lot of missing pieces um, in terms of having that deliberate, intentional, uh, vocal strength and, and leadership and um, you know, Atkins says she's not going to step back from that, that she learned so much from having to do it last year. And Cloud is there, yes, but so is everybody else. And she's just going to continue with that. And Mike Tebow says, yeah, we have to remind Ariel Atkins, like, we, we need that still. Like, we don't want you just because Tosh is back to, you know, go back to, to not saying much, but obviously leading by example. But they need they need that that mentality. They need that toughness. And I think Ariel Atkins is going to be the glue to the team this year. You bring up so many good points, and we're going to get to a ton of mystic stuff. I'm, I'm really excited to understand kind of your thoughts and what you're seeing. But real, real fast, I, I want to backtrack. I want to talk about you a little bit. Um, a lot of people know you as the analyst and um, recognize you on TV. Uh, but, but I do want to kind of just talk about your journey from Virginia to Maryland and, and give the listeners who may not understand your own basketball journey a little bit of background on you. Oh, wow. Rachel, it, that's a great question. And, you know, it, it's been a journey. It has definitely been a journey. And, you know, if you would have told my 10 year old self that this would be where I am in life right now in terms of being a mom of three, number one, and, you know, having the basketball experiences that I've had, both as a, a player and a coach, 
I, I, I don't know if she would have believed <laughs> that uh, that could have happened. Um, but, you know, just, just flashing back to that, that 10 year old. And even before that, you know, he moved to rest in Virginia when I was eight years old. And that's when I um, played basketball for the first time on a team. Um, we had a hoop on our driveway when I was, you know, six, I believe uh, my dad put that up for us. And we messed around with that, but we never played on a team. Uh, my brother and I, he's only 13 months older than I am, but I wanted to do everything that he did. So when we moved to Reston, we got a hoop in the backyard. All of his friends, my brother's friends, would come over and play. And to my brother's chagrin most times, um, I would be out there too. <laughs> and my mom's like, just let her go out there. I'm like, yeah, just let me go out there. So I was, I was out there and... Um, just learning how to play the game and learning how to compete. And it was just organic to start with. And like I said, played on my first youth team and wrestling youth basketball, but really loved the, the competitive spirit that the game presented and the challenges uh, of the game, I think really, um, really enticed my interest in, in playing the game. And I guess it was middle school, seventh grade. I started playing AAU basketball, played for the Vogues of Virginia. That was the only AAU team here. Um, there were three levels, A, B, and C team. The A team went to the national tournament, which was what you wanted, right? So on our national team, I, I believe once we all graduated high school, I believe 11 of us, 11 of the 12 of us got Division One scholarships to play. Wow. And it was, you know, that's why it was so special because now, obviously, the opportunities are, are immense now for AAU basketball. And there are hundreds of teams, which is great. But when you have that one team that, just encapsulates like the the DMV in total. Like we have players from DC, Maryland, and Virginia all in that one team, and that was the team uh, in the area. Man, there, there was nothing like that. I don't care. Like just practices were like the best. Um, our competition, like we played against some great teams nationally, and and still remember a lot of the names. You know, I played against uh, during that stretch, like Pokey Chapman. We played against her Domino's team. You know, down in uh, Louisiana. That's and then, amazing. Um, Jennifer Azy's team, she was from Tennessee. It was the Tennessee Stars. We played them, you know, and she went on to Stanford and we were the same class. So we I kept track of them. It's just weird how it all, you know, flashes back. But, you know, AAU was was a fantastic experience for me through throughout high school. Went to South Lakes after that. And uh, we ended up winning a state championship in my senior year. And we were 29 and 0, won the state championship game by two points. Our point guard sprinted in front of their best player and took a charge at the buzzer. I swiped at that shot. I may or may not have gotten a fingernail on something other than <laughs> basketball. Um, so all I heard was a whistle. And, you know, I look over at the ref and he has his hand on the back of his head. And I was like screaming my head off until I saw a, a white spot. Uh, and I was running and jumping and having like a, a freak out. But, um, yeah, so it was a lot of pressure, obviously, playing that season because, you know, we were undefeated. And. For every game we won, and this is not, I'm not saying this in a pompous manner at all, but, you know, we get to 25 and 0, right? Senior year, we had six seniors, 27 and 0. We're like, oh, snap. Right? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You can't, once you get that far, you can't lose. <laughs> can't lose, man. So then I remember our coach, it was like a back and forth game in the state championship game, and she came in the locker room, and we were all like talking to each other, like, listen, we're not going out like that. Like, boom, boom, boom. Like, let's go. We got to get together. Da, 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 da. And she came in the locker room and she said, you guys are playing not to lose instead of playing to win. We're like, yeah. We, I had never thought of the game that way, but that's exactly what our coach, Jill English, told us. <clears throat> we went out there and it was still back and forth. 
but I think that edge that we had was, you know, we wanted to win. We played to win instead of trying to protect, you know, not losing, you know, and there's such a fine line between that. It was like such a tight rope and a circus, you know, uh, a mental circus is what I like to call that moment. But, you know, to win that and then to be in complete tears um, because we weren't going to play any more games. That's a moment I'll never forget. Um, we were pulling up to the school and we were just having a good old time on the bus, like yucking it up. And then, you know, we're, the blinker came on to turn into the school. We're like, wait, like, this is it. <laughs> and it was oh, horrible. So <laughs> it was horrible. But it was it was happy. But it was horrible at the same time. I can't even explain it. And then, you know, you never like either way, you, you end your year with tears. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like tears of joy or always or whatever. Like either way, I don't know. It's that's tough to explain. But um, but to win that was definitely a defining moment. And then went on to Maryland to play. And, you know, I was recruited by, you know, a couple of schools that were just well respected and still are to this day. Um, Georgia and Andy Landers. Um, NC State and the late great Kay Yao, um, Rini Portland, um, the late great Rini Portland, and obviously um, Debbie Ryan at, at Virginia was amazing. And then Maryland, you know, those are my my top schools at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I went on a visit to all the schools. And when I went to Maryland, there was just something about the campus, something about the team, something about the spirit of the school and the atmosphere there that I just fell in love with completely. I could be myself there. And I think that's what um, got me to sign on the dotted line. And um, that was probably the most challenged I've ever been in my life other than uh, childbirth <laughs> um, of three, three babies, um, physically and mentally challenged to the 1000th degree. Um, it was, you know, they always say like between 18 and 22, those are your formative years. And I know they say also between zero and five, I get it, but 18 to 22, like that's when you learn what, what you're all about and why you're doing things. And, you know, the transfer portal having, you know, what is it? 17% of the, the players from this past season are it's rotating insane. through that thing. Man, listen, come on now, you guys, I, I couldn't do it. And I couldn't do it in conference. Like I could not want to beat your head in and beat your teams so badly and then the next year go sit in that locker room with those people i am built differently thank that you. way and i'm not i'm thank not you. bragging but i could never do it I, I could never do that and i mean some people can and and you know a lot i see some comments where people say you know thank you for my time here i'm moving on to the portal i'm like goodness gracious like another one and i'm sending you know text messages <laughs> to, to to my girl lisa byington because we're on the string you know uh, she were on the hotline, you know, and I just like, I send her another one. She sends me something we're like, geez, like what's happening? Like, boom, 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 like back and forth, like uh, Venus and Serena. And it is crazy. And it's just, you know, and, and the comments underneath, like, yeah, do you boo and all this. I'm like, no, don't do you boo. Like the, lean into it for a minute and see <laughs> yeah. what you're made of. What are you, what are you doing? Face the like, adversity like, a little bit more. Honestly, yeah. but I really honestly think social media, like if, like we didn't have social media and all that stuff coming through. So I don't know if it's like, look at all these people who want me. Is that what this looks like? Is that what we're doing? Like, but whatever. I, I ended up uh, at Maryland. We went to the final four junior year and it was amazing. Um, we went to elite eight 
sophomore year, we lost to Auburn with the Mayola Boltons and Ruthie Boltons and Vicky Ors of the world. Um, they took us out. Uh, we were down there in Auburn and they smashed us a hundred and some to 70 something. And it was, it was sad. And I just remember being on the free throw line on the rebound, you know, you're standing there and somebody's shooting. I don't even know which team was shooting. But I was just so angry. It was two minutes left. We were getting flattened and, you know, I look up and they have all the poster boards, like we're going to the final four. And I was like, I was enraged. I was so <laughs> mad, you know, but we were young. We were sophomores and juniors that year. So the next year we were 26 and six that year, we lost to Auburn. And the next year we ended up 29 and three and we were a one seed and went to the tournament in Washington um, state. I believe we were in, was it Seattle? I, th I think the men were in Seattle and we were in Tacoma. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry for recalling like that, but I think, um, <laughs> But it was it was an amazing ride. We ended up um, going into that. We were uh, 29 and two, and played Tennessee in the semifinal game. And Tennessee ended up winning the whole thing. I think it was Auburn, who we had lost to earlier in that season um, in November, in some tournament in Miami, I believe. And then we lost to Clemson in conference. We were the ACC then. Um, they had locked us in that that. Uh, whatever tiger's den there and the lion was roaring and it was like this crazy like we were not ourselves <laughs> and we ended up losing by like one or something and that was like our only conference law so whatever but that was a wake-up call for us because then after that we were you know on task and kind of played um played through that beat texas at texas broke their 30 something game win streak with clarissa davis and all um andrea lloyd Oh my gosh, they had so many great players. I, I can't rattle them off. Um, Aaron Barr, I believe she was like a six eight um, center. Then they had a six five, six four. Their wing player um, was like six two, and their point guard was—they were humongous. Um, and the practice before that, um, our assistant coach had brooms in the paint, like smacking shots away, and we thought it was <laughs> funny. We were like. We're, you know, Vicky Bullet and I were the post and we were like six, two, six, three. Okay. And Vicky Bullet, two-time Olympian, just magnificent footwork, amazing player um, on the glass defender, like amazing. So we're in there and, and the coach is like <clears throat> blocking our shots with the, with the broom. And we were like, Oh, that's messed up. And some of the stuff will come off the broom, you know, the boom hit the ball and some of the stuff will fall. And we're like, Oh, that's messed up. That's funny. And then coach Weller was like, it's not going to be funny. We're playing these giants down at Texas and they're throwing your shots all over. We're like, yeah, that's right. We got to get it together. Stop laughing. And like, <laughs> we got tightened up. Um, but we ended up beating them. Um, I think it was close. It was like by five or six points uh, on their court. Cheryl Miller was the analyst on that game. Oh, that's her. amazing. She was my hero. So in the warm up line before that game, I kept looking over there. You know, the ball was coming to me and it was like right at my hip, like because I was staring at Cheryl Miller the whole time. <laughs> I was just watching her. I was like, this is crazy, Cheryl Miller. So all the other three teams had stamped their tickets. So we were the last game. It was like nine o'clock. So we had to wait all day for it. But boy, I tell you, there was nothing like that buzzer going off and the relief of knowing that we got over that hump and we were headed to the final four. And um, there's probably 14,000 fans. We probably had, you know, our band and maybe some parents and that was it. We couldn't really hear our fans that much. No shade, but it was, oh my God, the floor was shaking every time they did one thing well, and it was insanely loud in there. Um, so after we won, we were cutting the nets down, and they were all standing there with the hook'em 
horns up in the air and it was silent. It was the most eerie thing. Um, but we were like, yeah, hurry up and get these nets so we can get out of here. This is scary. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we ended up uh, rolling out of there and, and lost Tennessee in the final four. But, you know, again, we were talking about the tears a moment ago. Like that was so crushing. And just looking back now, that was such an amazing ride. But being in it, you don't set your mind up to lose. So at the moment, I mean, it was devastating, right? But now looking back years later, it's like that was a great run. And you just don't really appreciate it until you have, you know, the years go by and, and you reflect on it. And every time I reflect, it's always March, except for last year, obviously. But every year it's like, you know, you reflect on, on what it took to get there. We only had eight players. We didn't have practice teams. Like we practiced three or four hours a day. There were no limits. Um, we're in the weight room, study halls and all that. So, you know, things have changed, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. And how tough it was, you know, riding bus rides to Clemson and back after losing that one game was not good. Um, eight hours on the bus uh, after a loss. But, you know, we didn't have charter flights. There's so many things that have have occurred in the women's game to advance it, to give the respect that it's due. But then you see what happened this year. You saw Sedona Prince documenting, you know, we still have a ways to go. But it's so much more uh, advanced in terms of equity than it was in the past. And we just wanted to play. So we're not, we didn't have, again, social media and cell phones, but we were just uh, grateful to be competing. And I didn't know we were one seed until this year. Somebody told me, I was like, we were one seed? Like, oh my God. And that's so bad because, you know, like social media just kind of lets you know everything now. But, you know, we just knew we were doing well and we knew that we had made the tournament and we were just going to win throughout as six games we needed to win. And that was in front of us. And I know that sounds really naive, but honestly, that was our mentality. And that's what we were talking about. Win the next one and keep it going and, you know, asking each other, are you ready before the game? And I'm ready if you're ready was the answer that you're supposed to give. And that was how it went. And we just laced them up and rolled out there and, and fought as hard as we could. And, you know, that that was that. But I loved my time at Maryland. Ended up going to Sweet 16 as a senior, but it was it was a great experience and a great ride and a great challenge of character and and everything that it, it took to be successful are things I still tap into non-basketball. Um, the mental toughness of, of a lot of things, I have relied upon that experience a lot. I'm I honestly I just want to spend like three hours picking your brain about all those stories because there's just so many like small details that we pass over and like hearing you talk about doing those long drives, uh, the experiences, you know, no one talks about the experience of winning a championship and realizing or, you know, whatever level of championship it is. And then realizing, wait, we're not going to have this team together again. And you have that in the W, you have yeah. that in a, you have that all over and nobody really talks yeah. about you know, there's that sadness even in winning. I mean, you look at, heck, the Seattle Storm this past year. That team got broken up. And can you imagine if you were sitting in the in the bubble, the wobble, whatever you want to call it, and you just won it, and you're sipping your champagne, and you're looking around, and you're like, Sammy Wickham already went over to Australia, so we already lost her, and now we're in the, you know, and, and those are just the stories that, all right, well, I'm, I'm getting off topic here. Let's talk about the Mystics. We're gonna okay. we're, let, let's talk about the mystics. You touched on a lot of really interesting aspects, um, kind of of what some takeaways you've gotten from this training camp period. 
And I just want to give the fans a little bit of a background. You know, EDD injured last year slash decided not to play. Tina Charles opts out. Natasha Cloud opts out of playing. So I, I also, I heard, I, I haven't been able to take part in enough of their calls as I'd like to, but in one of the calls, I heard Coach T talking about kind of trying to find a balance of, we have players who have been playing literally up until last week overseas. And then we have players who haven't played for 18 months. And some of them are coming back from injuries. Some of them are just getting in game shape and trying to, you know, find that balance of not working them too hard where there's some injuries that set them back, especially because you're already down one uh, with Alicia Clark. So I'm curious for you, last year, this team shocked everybody with Mm -hmm. an insanely strong start, right? Like that, that start was mind blowing, but this year, I almost feel like they're setting up expectations for a not, I don't want to say a weak start, but not like the strongest start, new, new teammates, new starters, new everything. Do you think that it's a ridiculous idea that this team is going to, you know, take some time to hit its full stride? No, I, I think that's spot on. And that's the thing, you know, with Mike Tebow, I mean, he's been uh, a wizard in terms of being able to to function with who he has available. And last year, oh my gosh, with all the opt-outs and then Ariel Powers got hurt, whatever, six games in, I believe, five or six games in, and then she left the bubble. And and it was just a, a myriad of, of issues that were just piling on. And Hawkins wasn't healthy. She was in, she was out. But I think for for what they were able to do, they started out 3-0 and and then you know hit a, a huge speed bump with all of the injuries and whatnot. But then they had the wherewithal and apparently took a, a ride on the boat down there, took a day off, you know, and just decompressed, disconnected from that environment and just pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and made themselves a playoff caliber team down the stretch. And it took them to the last game of the regular season to clinch it, but they did it. And I just think that speaks volumes for who Mike Tebow and his staff um, have on the roster, but it also speaks to how he's able to get the best out of those players on the roster. And and that to me will always be at the top of the list for Mike Tebow, um, the winningest coach in the WNBA for a reason. I think that he understands that fact that you said, you know, some people are are just getting back Their Their bodies are a little beat up from playing overseas. Maisha Hines Allen probably won't be back for a little bit because her team in France um, is still playing in the playoffs and, you know, they may not be done for a couple of weeks. And that's the league that Eric Tebow said on, the, on a recent call that that usually takes the longest to finish. So they're waiting on a couple of people still to get back in the fold. But with that being said, Elena Deladon's health this year is uh, to me um, still up in the air in terms of uh, minutes restriction possibility for her to start the season. And that's going to make a difference to how they start the year as well. I think they're going to need that depth, especially on the interior, especially um, now that Latoya Sanders has slid off the basketball court and slid it into uh, an assistant coach's role. Um, they don't really have um, that depth that they have been used to on the interior. But, you know, like we said, Tina Charles is there now and they have viable players who will make their presence felt in terms of how Mike Tebow wants to spread the floor be a three and D team. And, and that's what they have. I mean, Natasha Cloud and Leilani Mitchell, that's a duo that is very intriguing to me because I asked, I think Mike Tebow on media day, 
if he thought that they would be kind of utilized like he utilized Cloud and Tolliver. And I meant that by saying they would both be on the court at the same time. Like you don't have to sub one for the other, but maximize both of them being on the floor at the same time. Um, Natasha Cloud showed in the 2019 championship campaign that her three ball is like that. She's ready to, to strike from out there. Leilani Mitchell can hit it too. Like she remember she uh, led the, the league and three point percentage when she was with Phoenix. So, you know, you have all these players who can knock shots in um, from outside. You also have playmakers. Um, Ariel Atkins, a player who can knock in the three, obviously she can get to the rim and that mid range game is coming along for her. I just think, you know, again, she's going to be the glue, but just to see how these players materialize, I think that's going to be interesting. And Shavante Zealous is going to be a big piece in terms of that championship mentality. She played, obviously, in New York with Tina Charles, so there's some chemistry there with her. Um, Teresa Plaisance is another player um, on the interior that will give them that depth that we were talking about would be necessary. But um, Leslie as well, I think, you know, I mean, she can be kind of a, a tweener in terms of being able to knock in that three, a three and D player, but she can board and defend multiple positions, so she gives you – that uh, flexibility as well. So I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, you have everything mixed in the bowl. Now it's time to stick it in the oven and, you know, we'll see what, what that looks like for this team. But I think, you know, we definitely have to keep our eyes on Elena Deladon. Um, she definitely wants to play USA basketball with the Olympic games coming up mid season. Um, we definitely have to keep our eyes on um, the fact that Emma Mieseman may or may not return after the Olympic break with her um, overseas commitments in that regard. So I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of questions more than answers for Washington at the beginning of the year. And I want to get my eyes on them so badly. Um, so I can really tell, I mean, the zooms are great access, but there's nothing like being in the gym and I can't wait to uh, get in there and actually form some, some solid opinions um, from what I actually see. So that's going to answer a lot of questions um, when I actually get in there and I'm able to watch some things. Well, that brings up a good point. I mean, you talked about everything's in the mixing bowl. Now it's time to put it in the oven. In your opinion, from what you can tell right now, again, I know it's early without being sure. able to lay your eyes on what's been going on in training camp. What do you think is the potential ceiling for this team versus – on the flip side, the floor of this team for this year? Well, I think the Mystics are definitely still a contender. I, I think they have the pieces necessary, and albeit, okay, they don't have Ariel Powers, who was on the championship team, as she's in Minnesota. And you have, obviously, uh, Tiana Hawkins, who's with Atlanta, which is their first um, preseason game. They'll be challenging uh, the Atlanta Dream. So I, I know that there are pieces that are not coming back. And I know the acquisition of Alicia Clark and then her being injured almost immediately after. Um, I'm holding my forehead while I say that. Um, it was uh, definitely a disappointment because they gave up a lot to get her here. And um, the fact that she has to miss the season is definitely um, a downer. But I also like, you know, the fact that they have some young pieces. And I, I said something about Shug Sutton, but also, you know, they didn't have any draft picks. But last year, um, Stella Johnson was was called the draft pick of this year by Mike Tebow at the end of the year. On the end of the year call, he said, hey, we don't have draft picks, but Stella Johnson can be our, our draft pick for next season. So I'm anxious to see what they have done. I know Mike Tebow said on a recent call that they have given um, Shook Sutton in particular a list of things that they wanted her to work on in her game. So 
yet another point guard, right? We're already talking about Cloud and Mitchell, but yet another point guard at depth in that position um, to come in and while being super young, can come in and, and earn some valuable minutes on the court in game situations. But I mean, the practice time is where it's really at. I mean, they don't have the practice players in in their practices right now because of COVID and all of the things. So um, their numbers are a little bit sparse because they don't have, you know, a lot of the players, as we said, um, back from overseas commitment. So they're trying to gauge um, keeping everyone healthy in terms of their minutes, but also ramping up the players who who need the extra cardio and the extra reps and the scrimmaging. So um, they've gone up and down the last couple of days. They had um, Monday off this week, but they have their first um, preseason game on Wednesday against Atlanta. So they're they're trying to to build, and I think it's going to take probably five or six games into the season to really see how this team materializes. But Coach Tebow has said that their offense is is ahead of their defense right now, and and he's pleased by that, you know, and the leadership that has come from returning players uh, from his system from past years. Yeah, and I think I mean I. You, you touch on a lot of points and I want to like dissect all of it, but uh, we're going to look forward of kind of put your feet to the fire of what do you think the weakness of this team will be? Cause you know, D, I, in my mind, it's defense. They, you know, the losses that we've talked about, Tiana Hawkins, Ariel powers, even I'll even count Christy Tolliver in that. Cause she's a fierce defender and yes, she wasn't there last year and technically she already made her way West, but uh, you know, bubble season a little bit off yeah. and Latoya Sanders who is a key yeah. element of their defense is going to be tough but honestly for me I had those questions coming into the season mm-hmm. the loss of Alicia Clark really makes me go damn because she right. was that player where offensively I mm-hmm. I think it's it's we wonder about how it's going to work with this team because mm-hmm. of these different pieces I don't think we have a question. You have Elena Deladon. There's nobody in the league who's stopping Elena Deladon. When you have a player of that caliber, everybody else on the team gets, you know, gets their flowers, gets their roses. Um, so for me, it's the defense. And and you kind of touched on that too, saying that coach said that the offense is further along than the defense. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be the weakness or kind of the question mark of this team? I think it may be the the inside game. Um, and and not necessarily who is on the floor, but who's coming behind who's on the floor. I think uh, the bench play of the interior players is going to be something that I'm going to be looking for, for the mystics. And and yes, you have a Tina Charles in there who can get stops, who can box out and board her butt off. I love it. Um, obviously Elena Deladon, when she's in there, but you have uh, Teresa Plaisance, you know, a player of the six, five who can really give you that size inside and, and you know, those boards and that defensive energy that, that you're looking for. But I think when you're talking about defense, you know, it's not always about, you know, rim protection necessarily. It's how are they getting into the paint? Like, how are those guards getting in here? So mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about defense for Washington, I mean, Natasha Cloud is back. So I think automatically that bolsters your your pace on the defensive side of the ball with her being on the court. But also Ariel Atkins in that regard. She's so long and lanky. She's so quick in terms of her anticipation, especially off the ball. I just picture her being in the gap off the ball and and deflecting it, pushing pace up the, up the sidelines. So I just think that, you know, your defense starts with your guards and for Washington this year, 
to be a stabilizing force on the interior, their guards have to really buckle down and, and play some staunch defense and not allow um, Swiss cheese moments um, <laughs> into the paint and, and let players go by. Because if they get by and, and your next line of defense, which is most likely be a, would most likely be, excuse me, your post players, if they get fouls because of that, now we're gonna dive into the depth issue. Mm. Right. So if you don't have the depth that you want on the interior. Then, hey, what? Guess what, guards? Like you're going to have to lock up that elbow area. You're going to have to pinch that baseline and not allow people to turn the corner down there and, and give our post players foul trouble. And that's going to be a huge, huge piece and, and definitely something I'm going to be looking forward to watching. And I know they can do it. I mean, they have the pieces and, you know, Leilani Mitchell is small, and quick and um, agile and she can get stops as well. So, I mean, they have the ability, they have the pieces in place on the perimeter to lock down that paint, but you can't just rely on the post. Like, well, you know, we have a, a stopper back there, so I'm good this time to let him go. No, no, let's not do that. Let's not leave it up to chance and leave it up to, you know, uh, the whistle being blown or not. Let's, let's make sure that we're directing on the perimeter, let's make sure that we are forcing to the corners and, and not allowing uh, other opponents' guards to get in the paint and, and wreak havoc on that second and third line of defense. Christy, I want to ask you, what do you think, um, really, I mean, in your opinion, the biggest strength of this team will be? I think for me, it's kind of that veteran mentality. Like, we've been here, we've done that mentality, and I think that goes a long way, but I'm curious your thoughts um, of, of the biggest strength of this team. Well, you said it right there, the experience level. I think, you know, that's something, yes, they do have some young pieces in there, but the experience level is etched in stone. And you have players who have won championships. You have players who want to win a championship like a Tina Charles. I mean, if you look at what Tina Charles' resume looks like, I mean, every single thing is on there. Gold medalist, uh, Olympian, um, MVP, rookie of the year, like all of these things are in place, but there's one thing missing. And she said that on a recent call. Um, she said, uh, yeah, there's one thing missing and that's a championship. And the way she said that still gives me chills on my arms. Like she is so ready to win it all. And I believe I asked Ariel Atkins uh, that same question, like how much does that uh, energize you to have someone around you who wants it that badly? I mean, you've already won it, right? So and obviously you want to win it again, but Tina Charles hasn't put that ring on her finger yet. And um, she said that it, it inspires her every day to be on the court with a player like Tina Charles. And she is exuding that level of passion and intensity and urgency. So I think that's only going to help the experience piece, if you will. I think that her presence alone um, is something that's going to bolster the mentality of this squad. So yes, the, the experience of this team is is the main key, but also the, I guess the entice, the enticing of, of winning a ring for a player like Atina Charles is, is also there. And I know that Coach Tebow wants that for her as well. Um, they're very close, even though she was on other teams, like he has always been super close with Tina Charles and she uh, was bummed obviously last year that she didn't uh, get an opportunity to play, but she is just, raring to go. And, and that's the player I'm going to be eyeballing as well. And, and what that level of urgency looks like in a player of her caliber. Well, and even to like 
Pat, what you're saying on the back, I mean, I think for Tino, a player who's been around for so long in search of that, has achieved all these other things, that has got to be a sign for the young players like Atkins who won championships, like Maisha. Like, the mentality is so different when you win it young as opposed to when you have all this personal success, but you can't get that ultimate goal of getting the ring. This is a perfect segue to our last question. I want to know... Who, I mean, you kind of touched on this, but if you had to pick one player on this team that you think is going to be the key for the success, and I'm going to, I'm going to give a caveat. You cannot pick Elena Deladon because everyone, you know, like we understand injury minute restrictions early on, which is a huge question mark should be getting a lot more attention uh, in regards to that, but I'll, I'll go first. I'll ease it on you. I'll go first. (laughs) Natasha cloud, because in my opinion, for the years leading up to that championship, it was very clear to me that how Natasha Cloud was the orchestrator of that offense. And last year, while certain players still stepped up, you know, Atkins had a great year last year. Maisha had a great year last year. Some other players did as well. But it always looked a, a little out of sync offensively. And I think there was this calm and this uh, this leadership that we always talk about with Natasha Cloud that was just missing. So I'm going I'm going with Cloud. Who, who do you think is going to be the key player? Well, I love Cloud, but I'm going with Ariel Atkins. I just think that she gained so much invaluable experience last year, um, having to really uh, step outside of herself in that way because she was always uh, a great piece to the puzzle. But last year, I feel like she was the puzzle and the other players mm-hmm. were the pieces to the puzzle, if that makes sense. But totally. I just think that that she just gained so much competitive maturity and then for her, obviously, to utilize her voice off the court and mm-hmm. to be the voice of the league, not just the team of the Washington Mystics. I, I think, you know, she just matured over uh, right in front of our eyes, you know, over the course of the season. So um, I'm going to go with Ariel Atkins, and I think she's going to have another fantastic year. I think, obviously, when she looks to her right and to her left and she sees a Deladon in a cloud, I mean, she's going to you know, bear down even harder. And then she's looking straight in front of her and she sees Tina Charles who wants to win a ring. I just think that she's going to be so motivated by all those factors that, that she's going to be the linchpin for the mystics this year. Side note her, I believe her and Tina Thompson are very close, right? Yes, they are. I have grown my appreciation for Ariel Atkins so much just because of that and seeing, seeing the social media interactions with them and just watching Mm -hmm. them train together. I, there is very few things I love in the WNBA world more than the new age players learning from the legends of the league. I think it's something that, you know, it's amazing to see former players like yourself and former players of the W make their mark known after their career is done playing wise and mm-hmm. educating the youth on the W and the amazingness of it. And I think you guys are forming the future. So I want to tip my cap to you and people like Tina Thompson. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. And yeah, you know, when Tina Thompson was associate head coach at Texas, when Ariel Atkins was a player there, Mm -hmm. and she also coached Shug Sutton as well when she was at Texas. So she's very close. Tina Thompson is very close with both of those young ladies and still mentoring them, obviously, in a lot of ways. And you just love to see that, like you said. And it's so special. It's something that can't be taught. It's just, you know, something that's organically there. And uh, someone like Tina Thompson, who was the first overall pick in the WNBA um, when the WNBA started. I mean, just to have that that cemented in history and then for her to be able to share uh, what it takes to maintain it. There's one thing to get there, 
but it's another thing to maintain that mm-hmm. level of efficient mm-hmm. excellence. And she's sharing that wisdom with them. And that's why they're going to be great players all the way through their careers. Well, Christy, thank you so much for your time. And I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to hopefully see you in person at a game. Maybe we can, enjoy, fingers crossed. And uh, to have you on again, just, I, I love the way you broke down some of the stuff here. And, and I, yeah, we're going to bother you for many more years to come bringing you on the show. So thank you so much. Oh, I love it. And it's never a bother. It's all hoops. I love it. I have a passion for it. And it's bigger than basketball. There's so many life skills intertwined in it, and which is why I, I will never retire from my love of the game. I love it so much. Thank you, guys. You have a great day. Thank you. You too.